Welcome back for another helping of oysters, clams, and cockles, bringing you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs by me, Ross Bolin, and my dear friend, Mr. Barrett Dudley. Barrett. Ha 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 ha. Ha 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 ha. Are you doing the Joker laugh? I'm just, that's just, I'm just, it's packed with laughs today. So, you know, I'm just, I'm just laughing. Have you watched the Joker you since mind, it came out? Do you mind me laughing? No, no, no. Just that was the Joker laugh. Uh, no. And as we talked about on our movie club Patreon episode about Joker, mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. a movie I'll probably ever watch again. So I started watching it again. Okay. I don't know. The mood struck. <laughs> and I got about 20 minutes in and then yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, this is fucked. I'm out. Not because yeah. it's not good. It's right. great. It's just. Oh, yeah. It's, we, it's... Got, we got enough problems, man. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't it's... need that, that darkness in my life. Oh, it's a dark one. Indeed it is. Sure thing. Indeed it is. Uh, any other quips from you before we... Oh, no. Now, I wanted you to do, want to break like... into a strange... I wanted to do... I just... I wanted to launch here with just, like, a hard Cockney accent, you know, based uh-huh. off Butcher and and Butcher's Pops there. Yeah. But wow. Every, that was a real battle. Every other word that they say is the C word, and I don't want to just, like, assault people's ears here in the first 30 seconds of the podcast. God, by, I love the C word. By dropping that a bunch of times, you know? It's like... It's, I don't even it's say it's the to- C word. Yeah. And they... I mean, right? Like, it's like... You ever listen? You ever listen to any comedy from the Australian guy Jim Jeffries? No. Okay, he's a I funny. Say it a lot. He's a funny dude from Australia, and they—I mean—they say it like we would say, like I don't like damn, you know? Yeah. It's it Shit. is just part of the lexicon there, and clearly for uh, for Butcher and his familia, it it seems to be as well. But they, I'm not gonna. Word. But I'm not gonna do that here. So uh, so yeah. I, uh, I'm going to say I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Would have been a strange start to the show, yeah, just dropping C-bombs that, left and that, right. That's how I thought, that's what I was thinking about it too, yeah. On today's episode, we will finally be returning to Clamstone Ranch for coverage of Yellowstone Season 2, Episode 1. Also, we have The Boys, Season 2, Episode 7, Lovecraft Country, Episode 8, and of course, we're opening with general entertainment talk no in the boys. form of tidbits and such with Barrett. But first, this episode of OCC is brought to you by Felix Gray Glasses. Barrett and I constantly have our faces and screens from morning to night, just like so many of you, because there is no longer any cutting back. Uh, and as a result of using screens all day, by the end of the day, your eyes are tired. They're dry. You get headaches. It sucks. Everybody's familiar with those symptoms. Felix Gray Glasses is here to help and stop all that mess. They launched in 2016 with the singular focus of offering the most effective computer glasses on the market with all the quality of brand name designer frames, and they quickly became the internet's favorite blue light glasses. Everything's only gotten bigger and better from there. They filter out 90% of high energy blue light, eliminate 99% of the harsh glare coming from your screens compared to their competitors. They're just a cut above, and uh, yeah, I mean, every day when I slide mine on at the end of the day, whether I'm gaming or getting ready for bed and want to watch a show for OCC or whatever, instant comfort and relief from the uh, the symptoms that I experience on a day-to-day basis as a contact lens wearer in Austin, Texas, the allergy capital of hell. Um, and unlike other brands in the, in the blue light glasses market, Felix Gray uses a proprietary technology. It's not going to chip or scratch on you like some of these other brands. They've got ineffective crap on their products, and Felix Gray is incredible. That is not what you're looking at here. They are available in prescription, non-prescription readers. They've got you covered with optical glasses for work, sleep glasses in the evening that are clinically proven to increase melatonin secretion when worn leading up to bedtime. Don't buy glasses from a company whose sole focus isn't making glasses. Trust Felix Gray like I do because they 
make the best blue light glasses in the game. Go to felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC and get a pair of blue light glasses from the pros today. I've got the Faraday frames and the Nash. If you want to check out the Faraday and the Nash, shipping and returns totally free. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash OCC, felixgrayglasses.com slash OCC. And now it's time for tidbits and such with Barrett. It's, uh, it's good that you got the Nash frame since we're uh, close friends with Steve Nash after our, after our run-in with him at uh, the Atlantis in the Bahamas nominally. In 2005, I believe. 10 years ago. Perhaps. No, no, that one was the... That was, was a later the, one? That was a later one. Yeah, ah, so it was like indeed. 2009. Indeed. Yeah. Barry and I are very worldly traveled and have many, many celebrity friends, one of which is <laughs> one of which is Mr. Steve Nash, now coach of the Brooklyn now Nets. Now coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, who and was controversially not... hired and then admitted to uh, having a privilege in, in his way up the ladder to being a head coach. Just a bizarre situation. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then Kyrie Irving was basically like, yeah, we're not going to listen to that guy. <laughs> Yeah, he he wants their team to be like some type of futuristic. Um, I don't know what the word for this. Is. We're we're just it's free flowing, man. Everybody's a coach, man. We're all, look, we're all gonna be coaches. <laughs> yes, Steve will be there, but we're all coaching. Yeah, yeah. Love to see that the new way of thinking. Um, okay, but on to the the TB and the S. Uh, do you want to start light or do you want to start heavy? Heavy, heavy. In me with the levity. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, movies are dead. Long live movies. Oh, what happened? Well, this is a, uh, a developing story that we've been covering here, um, on, uh, on both tidbits and such with Barrett and such bits and tid with Ross. Indeed. Um, but nobody knows what to do about the, about the movies, about the people going to movies, about the movie theaters themselves, about the release date of movies. And, uh, just this week, Regal Cinemas has decided that it will close all 536 of its U.S. theaters on Thursday. Um, that means that 40,000 people are getting furloughed. Oh, no. They're also closing um, 100 theaters in the U.K. This is the second largest film exhibitor in the U.S. behind AMC theaters. So this is a massive domino falling. Uh. And um, I, I don't think that this is not Cineworld, which is the, the umbrella corporation that Regal um, lies within. This is not them saying, we're done, we're out, we're shuttered, we're closing down, see you never. This is saying, like, we're we're out on the movie showing business until there is some way to show movies with people coming into the theater comfortably and, like, you know, the biggest blockbuster of 2020 not making $6 million in its opening weekend or whatever, right? Like, this Referring is... Referring to Tenet. Tenet, yeah. Um, uh, along with that, No Time to Die... Uh, has been pushed back again to 2021. The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson, pushed back to 2022. Only a matter of time before everything that was left on the slate for the rest of this year probably back. gets pushed back. Yeah, because they've got no motivation. Right I expect now. everything from Wonder Woman to Dune, all of it, I expect gets pushed back like at a minimum six months. If they will Dune try, comes out in the next six months, I'll be shocked. Yeah. The, the Dune especially, which is like, I don't know what the budget for it was. It's probably, I could probably look it up, it's, but probably like $300 million at least. Um, I'm looking it up. Yeah. So, but I mean, they're not going to- 200 million. They're not going to half-ass that with, with a holiday release that where nobody can, nobody wants to go to the theater or feels comfortable going into the theater. Or they no, they got to space it out every six seats or like whatever. Like, it's just, it's- um, it, it didn't seem, when we went even- it didn't seem like a viable long-term or even short-term solution. It's right. just not very comfortable yeah. I, for anybody. So, um, re- and it's just 
this is sh- this is shocking and painful in a lot of ways because man this is like the one thing it's like mo- movies and live music whether mm-hmm. that's a festival or concerts like these are the two things that they really just cannot figure out and doesn't at this point now it doesn't look like they will be able to figure out until there's some type of vaccine until there's some more uh, you know, higher percentage of herd immunity, basically until like this thing is like borderline done, done, which is unfortunate um, because the other area, the other realm that was most concerning, obviously, was sports world. And they've they've and kind they of figured found, out sports. Well, telev- television saves them, Tele- right? Yes, they d- yes. they basically have figured out. Well, we don't need the live audience as much, and it feels like the natural progression here is that. Movie theaters don't exist anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Okay, if we can't – football stadiums and these football teams are backed by billionaires and tons of sponsors, and they've found a way to make the TV stuff work, so they're still getting their advertising revenue. Movie theaters just – it's like there's no other use for them other than to show movies. Right. But as we've talked about before, like, I I just don't – you're never going to – if movie theaters go away, then movies like Dune and Tenet are also going away, and I don't think that that's going to happen. It, at least because you're not, at you're least not pushing temporarily, it, probably not, right. Because you're not yes. going to be able to recoup on the on the budget but, through and you're, streaming, well, and, 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 and you're not you don't want to show Dune and Tenet on on even even if you have like a great setup. It's like those are movie theater movies. Yeah, you know but, what I mean. But I do think that the progression here is inevitable. Like. Clearly, with the streaming era and the video-on-demand era, things shifted away from the theater already. It was already not a good spot for them. I mean, I think they were doing okay in terms of financials, like comparatively to past decades or whatever. Mm. But this past decade, it just seemed like that's... How many movies have you watched for the first time because you rented it in the house? So you said, like, well, fuck it, I don't feel like going to the theater or or watching it just on Netflix or Hulu or HBO Max or whatever, Amazon. I mean, personally, not many. I've watched a fuckload. Yeah, I have not. I I did The King of Staten Island and have, like, watched a couple of movies, uh, like, for the second time, like, went back to old movies. But you're more TV if it's Yeah, if I'm at home and, and, and you know... I mean, honestly, relegated to to only my my couch and streaming services. I'm just watching TV, and I mean, I think you're. I think we're both right here. I think that big budget movies are likely going to be just fully on pause. Like, I don't expect production to start on a massive budget movie now for years. I, I would say for a year. I mean, at a, at a minimum, hopefully. And I mean, I, because and, we just don't know what the. We've got no outcome here, and it's the thing that's that's driving people mad is that we don't have a timeline, really. We don't know. Yeah. And it's the thing that's made this such a difficult financial decision for movie theaters is that look, they've, been t- they've been just bleeding for months and months and months and months and months. Yeah. And at some point, somebody has to make a decision to try to save the industry or at least pause it or something so they're not just bleeding cash. Yeah. Well, and this is, I mean, so really this is the smartest thing that they can do to, to try. They basically are going to be forced into hibernation until there is positive news. That's what's just wild. Wild to see. Um, even I just got a push notification right before we started recording uh, that there has been a uh, somebody popped for COVID on the set of Jurassic World Dominion. The another Didn't you know, even know huge, huge budget massive blockbuster movie and it's just like they're going to keep running into this issue and it's and it's 
It's not like sports, again, where one person pops and it's like, we can still play the other games. We can still shelf this person. Patriots can still play, even though Cam got it because nobody else did. Yeah, it's another like quarterback, a bench the, player. The whole thing. Can't sub out Robert pauses. Pattinson and just bring in some right. other guy. And they're, not make, and they're not making any money while, in fact, they are spending and losing money while, while uh, in production. Right. They don't make the money until much later when the movie comes out and hits theaters. So you're not going to enter into any productions that are costing $100, $200 million. And the reason being, the with people no, backing with those With no films, idea yeah. when, this, when the movie will actually be able to hit theaters. If, if, when you will recoup your investment, if at all. Right. Right now, if you're a big movie producer, backer, company, and or individual, yeah, that's a, that's a, it's a serious problem. So that's a shame for the movie industry, and we hope to see some, some type, somebody, it's one of those things. It's like adapt and survive. Right? Yeah. You're going to have to see some adapting on the side of the movie industry. We're going to see. I mean, we've seen a little. We've seen some changes. We've seen some stabs in the dark. Disney Plus premium with Mulan. Yeah. But something has to give when it comes to movie releases right in the next, for the next six months at a minimum. Yeah. Because right now, there's just, you're, and the I, theaters and, are not a thing that are happening. Right. And I think you're going to get a lot of Palm Springs and American Pickles. And God, well, one was great and one was awful. The kissing booth and like all that, all this yeah. other type of you know, me, kind of middling B movie type you wanna, stuff. You want a, a little such bits and tid with Ross before we get to your next one? Sure. Okay, I saw. I'm thinking of ending things. Mm. I watched it, and it looked like one that might be up my alley. I'm I like the dark, scary thrillers and the weird shit. I'm gonna just go ahead and say, nah, that's my review. Nah. So nah. I don't get- I have not seen a trailer for this movie. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know who's in it. I don't know what it's about. You haven't seen the trailer? It's like, I'm thinking of ending things. No. Strange, weird shit. Fucking showing you. I have seen tweets about this movie. Okay. Pretty much all of them. It's a Charlie Kaufman written and directed. I'll, I'll paraphrase here. We're like, this movie ruined my weekend. Yeah, no, it's not just that it's like depressing as shit. You literally have to watch these two people speak that clearly hate each other. Like, that's the movie. <laughs> it's Jesse Pemmons, I believe is his last... Jesse Plemons, yeah. Plemons, and then Jesse Buckley oh, playing Far- Jake Fargo. and Young Woman. And, uh, man, they don't like each other, and okay. they're mostly in a car together. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is Young Woman the other character? That can't be right. Is it Lori? It doesn't matter. The movie fucking sucked. <laughs> it was mostly a dark hole... And there was nothing like, it was like the ending was confusing. You don't really know what happened. I know you're not supposed to, but it's like one of those artsy ones that just falls flat. And unless you're a completely miserable human being, you will leave a little more miserable. And that is the end of Such Bits and Tid with Ross. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's, uh, so that that's the heavy news is that it just more uncertainty for movies and Regal is shutting down until further Sad. notice, basically. Where's our light? And it's it's sad. So we'll, Shine we'll, the light. we'll start to get lighter here. Um, speaking of movies, uh, over the the weekend, a, a a movie tease was released. Again, this movie is supposed to come out in January of 2021. We'll see what happens. This one feels like it's more likely to end up uh, going directly to video on demand. Um, it's interesting for a couple of reasons. I saw it posted from Jessica Chastain's Instagram. Ooh. If you watch, if you listen, you know that I'm a fan of Jessica Chastain. This Delusions. movie is produced by her. It's called The 355, and it is an upcoming American spy film. 
and you will notice straight away from the uh, from the poster that it is a stacked ass cast. It is je- it is Jessica Chastain, Lupita Nyong'o, Penelope Cruz, Diane Kruger, and Fan Bingbing. Um, ah, Fan Bingbing, who is a, a Chinese star, I believe. And uh, the male leads are Sebastian Stan. I thought it was Bing Bing Fan, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> AKA um, the Winter Soldier from the uh, the Avengers I'm franchise. I'm serious. I think it's Bing Bing Fan. Oh, I'm I'm reading off of uh, off of uh, Wikipedia where they have it listed as Fan Bing Bing. But you know, they sometimes they do the last like the family name first. I'm telling right? you, I'm on IMDb and I've got you here. Okay, Bing yeah, Bing I, Fan. Now I'm looking at the poster. It looks like Bing Bing Fan. Yep, okay. Yep. Yep. Uh, and Edgar Ramirez. So. Just a wildly loaded cast. Now, again, weird because it is October. This movie is supposed to come out in in November, December, uh, in three months. It seems then there, th- this felt like a movie where like you'd see the trailer a year before it came out. Yeah, why January, are they doing this? January is a dumping ground for movies as is. Maybe this is just a shit shit show. So it's got it. it it's and and what's also worrisome is that. Jessica Chastain, this was her idea, female-led spy film in the same spirit as Mission Impossible or James Bond or Jason Bourne. And she worked together with her director on Dark Phoenix, Simon Kinberg. As we all know, Dark Phoenix was like a complete and utter catastrophe. Yeah, we were real stoked on it after Game of Thrones ended. Widely panned as a bad shit movie. And this is the guy directing it. Um, this, This, the fact that they... We're basically like, and here it is, and it's coming out in just a couple of months. Here's the trailer, uh, January. And the, and the theaters are like, and we're shutting down. We're shutting down. And they're like, well, the movie's coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Direct to Doesn't bode well for what this movie ends up uh, being like. I, it, I, I, it'll and, probably get swept under the rug. And it, it, this is, I'm just, I'm mad. I'm big mad. Yeah. Because I don't understand, like... These big female-led tentpole movies, whether it's the 2016 Ghostbusters or Ocean's 8 or the 355, like, these should be badass movies. Why can nobody figure out how to make these good? I don't know. Like, it's a disservice to these actors, man, because, like, I want to see all these chicks kick ass in a movie together. I think it's just that there are, honestly, it's, like, really hard to make a good movie, man. I haven't seen it yet, but, but producer Mike did have really, really good things to say about Birds of Prey, the Harlequin movie. He did, um, which he I did. know, which I has been back on my radar now because Journey Smollett from Lovecraft Country is one of the badass chicks, and she's one of the birds of prey. Help me with the movie that was written by Jonah Hill's younger sister. Um, Bookworm, Booksmart, Booksmart. That was great. I don't think she wrote it. Yeah, whatever. She starred in it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is a bummer about the three fifty five, as it looks like. Uh, so yeah, here's your just... premise: When a top secret weapon falls into mercenary hands, a wild card CIA agent joins forces with three international agents on a lethal mission to retrieve it, while staying a step ahead of a mysterious woman who's tracking their every move. So, wow. something to look out for. Moving on, you ready to move on? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Back to I forgot to include this in the heavy news. Oh God! Um, one of my favorite shows on Netflix, Glow, which had been renewed yeah. for a fourth and final I saw season. Mark Marin tweet canceled. He said no from more COVID. Yeah, because of this COVID. Is, yeah, this is going to keep happening. By the way, there will be. This is not the first. So you think a lot of TV shows see their it's death? Not the, it's not the first casualty. It won't be the last casualty. I expect that High Fidelity was in a similar situation. So that doesn't mean. We're coming back when nope. this is all over. It means we have all we are deciding collectively to move on from this project as a result of the circumstances. We don't see a way forward. Yes, fuck, that's sad. Yeah, and uh, and that's largely because 
I, I believe, in both of these, in High Fidelity and Glow, you're dealing with people like Zoe Kravitz and Allison Brie and Betty Gilpin and Mark Maron, all who have stacked-ass schedules. Yeah. And so if they're committed to shooting something in 21 already, or if they want to work on this in 21, they it's just, it's too hard to say like, oh, well, we'll come back to production when we can and when everybody can fit this back in their schedule. Right. So like, it's when just- is that? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's just, uh, you know, they just have to let it go, which That's is a sad. Bummer. That's um, a big bummer. The, the third season was- Because imagine if it was, you know, imagine if it was a historic show, like The Sopranos or The Wire or something, Arrested Development, or one of the greats that we all respect and love Game of Thrones. And this was like, this happened in, 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 a, in a random season three of one of those shows and it got canceled forever. Arrested yeah, and, Development would have been now, great news. Now, with Everybody those, else back. Like, like the shows that we're talking about are like, you know, moderate successes. Glow was one that they kept on because it was it was up for awards and like the people that were watching it were really, really liking it. it was but a it was smaller it wasn't moving the needle. More niche audience. So it's easier to throw this away. Like Got if you. this had happened after if this had all happened after Game of Thrones after season five of Game of Thrones, they would have come back. Okay. You can't leave that hanging, right? But, I don't know. It's just interesting because it would have been a similar problem for them where all these actors and actresses are getting into movies, but then again, there's no movies being shot either. It's just chaos out there. Eh, who was in a movie? It's just chaos. From that show. Literally, God, Macy Williams, please never do, new, <laughs> do don't do movies. Just look at these other fools. Look, um, what, okay, look what they've done. Next up, speaking of Game of Thrones. Not fair is, to Tyrion, who was great in some movies. There's casting news for Game of Thrones. Star of The Outsider, one of the stars, Patty Considine, will return to HBO and top-line the series, the uh, the prequel series, The House of the Dragon. Our man Clyde from The Outsider. Old Patty. Old oh, Patty Considine. okay, okay. That's interesting. He will star as King Viserys Targaryen. Ah, I like his face for this. Yeah. He seems like a Game of Thrones actor. Honestly, it's shocking that Patty Considine, a British actor, didn't make an appearance in the original series. Kind of is, right? Since we got all they, of they, the British they got, actors. Yeah, they got everybody, didn't they? I mean, we had every other famous British actor ever, except for Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I just couldn't fit him into the costume. No. Uh, my final tidbit here is, did you watch SNL? Did you see Jim Carrey as Joe Biden? Yes. I, I did not watch SNL because I am I am not an SNL watcher. I, I am an SNL clip sure, consumer. Sure, sure. So I have seen Jim Carrey as Joe Biden. Okay. I have not seen the entire episode. That's fine. He all, all he did was the the opening as Joe Biden. Yeah, it was good. He was phenomenal. Yeah, Jim Carrey is the man. He absolutely crushed it. Hold on. Gets out the tape measure, <laughs> moves his fucking podium like a foot left. Um, it was a perfect mixture of like Jim Carrey. I thought that they did the makeup and the prosthetics really, really well. It was so like they they they. They made fun of the right things, I thought, which is that Biden is potentially senile. <laughs> He's, you know, He's maybe lo- may- maybe losing it a little bit. The dude's like 77. Yeah. Um, I just, I loved it. People thought a lot. I saw some critiques that it wasn't warm enough, but like, we're, we're, this is, we're not paying service to Joe Biden here. It's we're making fun. Show. We're making fun of him. It's a comedy show. So I, I thought that they did everything. I, I, I just loved it. I thought I, that the... I was worried about how they were going to tackle that debate. Uh-huh. I thought the cold open was really funny and really well done. And I I loved Jim Carrey as Joe Biden. I'm looking forward to more of that. When SNL um, skews further left with their skits, 
it tends to kind of ruin the humor because it's stilted, right? And they do this, it, you know, that's historically just most of the writers and most yep. of the actors and characters are, are very liberal California people. Um, or, New, or New York people. Or New York people. And uh, and just in general, artists and actors and actresses tend to lean more left historically. Yeah. There's very few that lean right, and when they do, they stand out like a sore thumb. Um, and and I, I thought they struck the correct tone. Don't make fun. Make, do it correctly. Make fun of both both of these idiots if you're going to make fun of one of them. It cannot be SNL cannot be the Donald Trump joke zone where then we make Joe Biden look cool. They have to make fun of both of them, right? Or there is no comedy to be had there. Really. Yeah. So I thought no, it was phenomenal. I love Jim Carrey. I was very much looking forward to this. Also, uh, just nice to see him back up there doing, doing his thing, stuff, man. Do stuff. Do some more stuff, Jim. Yeah. Fuck's sake, man. Enough philosophizing. Like, 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 and I feel like he pulled out of this, you know, the slapstick arena. Yeah, he, he did. You know, he, he basically did. You get this feeling that he didn't want to do that anymore. He did it. He clear. I think he even did interviews where he spoke to like he didn't want to be just this like buffoon. Right. But look, man, when being a buffoon, when being a caricature, when being funny as shit is your gift, your God-given gift. You do it. You got to use it. I don't, I really, it bothers me when, this happens with a lot of really good actors too. Like not just comically funny guys, but like a Daniel Day-Lewis situation where he's like, I will give you one more film. (laughs) It will be about a dressmaker. And then I am out. And I'm like, what do you mean you're out? You're like the best in the world at this and you're fucking 50. Like get your ass back out there and you find that goddamn dog. Yeah, Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, man. Uh, Picasso didn't stop painting. No. Right up until the day he died, hey, man. Monet went fucking blind, and he was still painting the stupid water, water lilies. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So. I thought Jim Carrey was great. I love Jim Carrey so much that he could have literally bombed it, and I wouldn't have known any difference, so. That's fair. Yeah. And I, I would say that he did not bomb. Thought it was very funny. I love the, uh, the pistol shooting. <laughs> <laughs> the hand pistol he did. Here's the deal. All the here's the deals. Very good. Is that uh, is that it with tidbits? And that's such? it with tidbits, man. We can move on into the to the shows here. A lot well, of I have a lot good of cray news. stuff coming. Very light. The pipeline. For those of you who have been beaten down and depressed by the opening of this podcast, in which we revealed that the mu- uh, the movie industry is in dire straits, and and we are going to get uh, blessed with a drought here at some point that we've been discussing for many months in terms of new entertainment, television, and movies. The good news is this: we're back. At Clampstone Ranch. Oh, hell, Ross. We're covering Yellowstone again. I even wore my cowboy hat. I put on a button-down shirt so I could look more like a ranch hand. I'm wearing fucking boots. If you're on <laughs> YouTube.com slash Media, I've got boots on. You can't even see them when I'm sitting here at the table. It's literally just so I could be that in the zone. Yeah, yeah. That's commitment. It is. I, I know, you know, I see you have your Astros jersey and your Astros hat over I wore there. Those, uh, I wore those for the Ross Bolin podcast. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I'm, I'm, and, you know, we, we, we typically think on the same wavelength for a lot of stuff i did think about coming in today with my astros hat on mm-hmm. until we got to the clamstone where i would put on my western hat sure i i didn't i didn't just like i didn't bring frescas last week i just keep blowing this you're just um, blowing the props while but, i am wearing boots and shorts yeah like but, a man but, but you're you're uh you're backing me up here i got you i got you your know? back so. hell barrett i got your back we're uh, we're in season two episode one of of yellowstone where boy we wandered off the ranch for a little bit just like a uh, a lost calf but here we are trotting back onto the old clamstone oh you know why and barrett. the thing is yeah i never even got permission to leave hell and you never will 
And I never will. Might as well stare up at that big Montana sky and take it in because, bitch, this is your home now. The thing about this country, it's got a big sky. It does indeed. Uh, And the people here, they got big hearts, and I just love sitting around with the people of this great state looking up at those twinkling stars. Montana. Because it's big sky country, baby. It's Montana. Speaking (laughs) of my hat... Uh, in this episode, well, let's just let's just start with where we need to start. The, the drama, the soap opera nature of this show, if you were wondering how they would handle it from the season finale of season one into the opening of season two, they have only further embraced it. Yeah, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop here, and then finally John Dutton has to, you know, get impromptu surgery. frantic surgery in a vet trailer uh-huh. uh, where they're doing like, you know, they're going full on scalpel, no anesthesia. Scalpel. Cut them open. That's Jim Carrey. Clamp the <laughs> clamp the ulcer, do all that nasty shit. I honestly, the, the doctor even saying, this thing's going to spray like a geyser. I was expecting everyone to come out of there. blood yeah. everywhere. And then they like, they, they, re- they reeled themselves in for the blood gushing. And I, I don't know why. Just let it let it all hang out, man. Just splash blood on the screen. I don't care. Yeah. That's what I'm here for at this point. Everything is still very stressful for John, you know? So he collapses and people are like, oh, God. And he's like, ah, cancer. And then they're like, oh, God, it's not cancer. It's an ulcer because we got the vet. And you're just like, good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. But the ranch hands can't stop fighting people everywhere. It's they, nice to know that John Dutton's doctors never took x-rays of his torso to fit, to see the cancer. <laughs> <laughs> he had to, he had to pass out in front of a vet who who got him up on the uh the table for cows. Uh-huh. And did an x-ray. Nobody put on the the x-ray vest I noticed. They just, just all fried sub- they their... just all, you know, submitted themselves to harmful x-rays. Yeah, it's bad for your testicles. Not good. Especially when you're a cow hand. Everybody in that van now, just infertile. Yep. <laughs> S- similar to all the service, the secret servicemen riding around with Trump. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just, they've all been infected. <laughs> but the um, ranch hands can't stop fighting people everywhere. Jimmy goes to a bar and like, he thinks he's like mobbed up now and yeah, can't yeah. be touched, mm-hmm. which it turns out is actually correct. Uh, because yep. literally the entire male population of, of <laughs> Yellowstone comes to this bar and they and they... How did they get everybody to start running outside? Oh, they, they send a bull send in a the bull front in door. There, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. And then as people are streaming out the back door, they just have Jimmy calling them out, like, green shirt. And then that guy gets hit with a baseball bat and, like, beaten to within an inch Here, of a life. Here's how absurd this show is. After that beatdown, th- this was in the realm of possibility. Lara said, did they just kill all those guys? <laughs> like, as if that was just a totally, yeah, they just murdered everybody that was in the bar for, for fighting Jimmy. Because here's what would happen. Right? The, the ranch hands all roll off, and then, like, one of the guys would roll over and be like, what the fuck just happened? Somebody, they'd call the police, and then the police would come out and be like, why are there nine of you? John Dutton is the police, Ross. Beaten man. nearly to death. Yeah, yeah. John Dutton is just because owns so many people. They can just do whatever he wants, whenever they want. And, then, and of course, Jimmy has discovered this power. Yeah. Um, yes, Ryan Bingham refuses to take part in that fight. He, yeah, puts, he's, he's, he has had just about a dang enough. He doesn't want to do the crimes or the time. No. No. He drops his bat. Him and uh, our boy. Rip. Rip. I almost called him Roy. <laughs> Rip. Uh, they're, they're not seeing eye to eye, Barrett. They're having real troubles. Guess who else is not seeing eye to eye with Rip? Who? My man, Casey. 
Oh, hell. Looks like there's going to be a alpha dog fight. Casey doesn't see eye to eye with anybody. Bear. Among these, uh, the cowboys, among the yellow, among the, uh, the branded, the branded men. Because Rip, he's used to being the head honcho. He is. He's used to being in charge. Yeah. Taking over the day laborers. Now Casey's calling around. Calling the shots. Now Casey's around and he's a Dutton. Now Casey's back around. He's a Dutton and he's not going to let Rip boss him around no more. Oh, hell no. No. We got a real conflict brewing there. Mm, Beth boy, is boy, off. We sure do. Trying to take over uh, the city of Bozeman, which, by the way, it says on the inside of my hat. Bozeman. I guess that's where it was made in Montana, where I often spend time and yeah. stare up at the big sky. Um, Samsonite. That was way off. They're trying to take over this city. Uh, I don't really know. She's got another old white guy with money at her beck and call. That's These guys just come out of nowhere. Um, what was her line about being, what, how are you packed for junk? Is that it? Was that it? <laughs> she was basically like, <laughs> I didn't know how much fucking balls you had in your sack. <laughs> and then he's like... He's like, I'll buy it all. Does that give you an idea of how much balls I've got in my sack? And you're like, good God. Is this necessary? It's so dramatic. They, it, she's got a scheme. The, the, she's got a scheme there to essentially buy up all the land, get the government to pay them for the land, to basically get government subsidy to protect the land. So I don't know. You're like you've got you put the land in a trust, and you got the government paying you. Uh-huh. You're you're getting paid not to rent it. The 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 property value is going up at the same time. Like you're basically, she's found this loophole to essentially buy up all the land surrounding the clamstone, and it, she that's that's going to be her moat. That's going to be the protection. That's all them having all she's, that land. She's in, building a four hundred square mile moat around Daddy's ranch. Yeah, exactly. Or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. It is such a power move for wealthy people to go into small towns and ruin everything. Mm-hmm. She's like buying the nicest penthouse overlooking the fucking city of Bozeman and shit with her. Yeah. What is this guy? Is he like her sex slave? What's the assistant? That... This is an assistant. But she she bones this guy. I should, she might. She certainly seems like she does. I don't know. Beth is just a very aggressive woman. Um, what else is happening? I don't know. Well, um, the other thing that's happening here is John that Bozeman, having nightmares. Bozeman is, is getting some great little coffee shops. Boy, I'll tell you what. Oh, God. You just have to go down the street and try the pour over mm. from the little coffee shop there. You know who won't I think wait it's for called, that coffee, I think though. it's called Mr. Mr. Bozies. Just go down there, get a pour over, single origin. It's going to take 10 minutes for it to, you know, uh-huh. for it to rest and sit, but it's going to be the best dang cup of this coffee you've ever had. This was straight out of The Sopranos, by the way. There is a scene in The Sopranos where Polly and uh, Big Pussy Bompensero, as it was, go to a coffee shop. They're looking for a man, and they have this whole episode that one of the side stories is like how ridiculous coffee shops are and how old school guys like mobsters and cowboys well, they don't sit for 10 minutes and wait for their drip coffee to come out of some goddamn machine. They just fucking drink it. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It won't even be hot by the time it's done. Shit. Okay, anyway, boy. so just, that- just give me a drip cup of coffee, Black. No frills, Ross. She's like, what are you doing? Stop. And he just like chugs it in front of her. Um, yeah, so we ass. got Bozeman getting coffee shops. We have... Uh, Rainwater has Casey, a nightmare that Dan murders him. Yeah, Casey's Casey's estranged wife Monica. is now back. Monica, thank you, is back, now back to take the job. Monica, also in Fargo season four. Um, oh. Wildly different role. Have you started? Yeah, I talked about it last week. Oh, yeah. I need to get in there. Um, the uh, she, she, She's now back for the job at the at, at the uni. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
We've got, oh, speaking of real estate, our man's Dan, not uh, dead. Dan. Not dead. No. They did not hang him. They cut him down. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, saw that coming, um, but was excited to see Dan's big dumb face. Yeah, I really, it, I couldn't tell at the end of episode one, at the end of, at the end of season one. I really, I, I mean, like, the fact that they didn't show him die, that they let, that they literally cut off the episode with him hanging on the rope. Yeah. It, it certainly, it made you think that they weren't done with him yet. Would have been a hell of a loss. But I was, I was very certain that they, you know. I don't. I or I. I was. I, I was not certain of anything. I should say. So nice to see that they did cut his ass down and didn't just murder the murder the man. Yeah, because he's the one of the big bads, <laughs> and that would have been strange as hell. Uh, looking forward to continued coverage of Yellowstone season uh, two. Obviously, do we want to try to get through a couple next week or just one or? Uh, yeah, I figured that we'll be through like three episodes next okay. week. Yeah. So let's say through episode three next yeah. week of Yellowstone season two. I think that's fair. Thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, nice little setup episode, episode one. Looking forward to the drama that the ranch will bring. Oh, yeah. A lot of conflict teed up there. Sure is indeed. Tell you what. Sure is indeed. Hell, I'm worried about John Dutton and his fucking ulcer. <laughs> All right. Now let's talk about The Boys. Season two, episode seven. The Boys. It is technically called Butcher Baker Candlestick Maker, but I will forever refer to it as the episode where everyone's heads explode. Yes. Now- were you aware that this is the penultimate episode? I was made aware it was penultimate after the fact. So as I was watching it, I will say, was not prepared mm. for the large moves that happen at the end of the episode, yeah. the exploding heads and whatnot and such. But it kind of made it a funner ride for me, more fun, <laughs> because I was just like, oh my, whoa, what the sh- dude, what? It was, I like, it was so out of nowhere and unexpected that if, if had I known it was the penultimate episode, I may have mm-hmm. been looking for something big there. So, yeah, I guess we can just talk about what happened in the ending. Yeah, um, let's, let's jump there. Uh, what I'll say is that uh, in the, uh, the Discord, yes, the cord is strong. The cord is strong. Join our Discord if you're on Patreon. It's for yep. members of the Mollusk Militia only, I believe. Pa- yep, as, a, as it currently stands, mm-hmm. patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Mm-hmm. Support the show, get more OCC. Get that Discord link. Uh, mm-hmm. The cord is strong. Mm-hmm. I, I saw a glimmer. There's lots of channels on the Discord, as you well know. There's some, there's some spoiler channels, but I'm just like I'm I'm so I see a, a channel light up with new information, and I just click on it like a rat, like a rat going for cheese. And so I saw something about how I, I saw a reference to shows going Game of Thrones, and so uh, unfortunately I was in this episode waiting for at, wait I was actually waiting for somebody to die. A I main, was waiting a main for like big character. I was waiting for like Butcher, Starlight, or Huey to get because as we've discussed, it's time sort of. Y- uh, yes, although Butcher and Huey and Starlight seem off limits, don't they? Yes, but you got to kill somebody here. I know, I know, but they, but but well, not. We'll see. But, so you were scared that one of our actual I main thought, characters was going to Game of Thrones. Yes, and now, head explode, just gone saw, out of nowhere, no goodbye, just. So the, then, then we moved into the conference or the 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 courtroom there and i was like oh we're going sept of baylor that must be so i i thought maybe everybody in here dies so you're looking for it already okay, so gotcha. so i was looking for some type of explosion or maybe homelander to just murder everybody just laser or something like that and so i was yeah. on it wasn't as shocking but it was it almost made the ride more tense because i was just waiting for the for that you know for that re- for the record some, to play. something happened yeah <laughs> for the needle to drop yeah. um so, yes, this was wild. Everybody's heads start popping. Now, 
I just want to jump into the question. Who do you think is doing this? Here's the thing. I don't know where the new head of Vought is. I don't know what he's doing. We haven't seen him in several episodes. He's obviously- Mr. Edgar. Mr. Edgar from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and many other things. Fantastic. Uh, what is John Carlos Esposito? Juan, uh, Juan? John, John Carlo Esposito, yeah. Okay. Um, and, I, and I have to think he's somewhere pulling strings. When this first starts happening, when, when a head pops, we've seen this before this season, right? We saw it with uh, their connect in the CIA. Her head explodes. That was this season. One, episode one. Yeah. And now we're seeing lots of heads popping, obviously done by the same person. Nobody knows who it is, unseen. When they start popping, I look to Homelander. What's his reaction? Right. Yeah. He has the ability to do this, clearly. He could. Um, it is not him, or he is the greatest actor of all time. Because he's looking around the room like he's thrilled, but he's like, whoa, yeah. this isn't me, bro. Right, and you and you got the same idea from uh, Stormfront as yes. well. It doesn't seem to be either they don't of know them what's happening, ha having anything to do. It with doesn't it. seem they have any clue those two what is happening. Yeah, because they're very upfront with their evil maliciousness. Yeah, planning, talking, stealing children. They don't <laughs> give a fuck. If this was them, they would have been all out front of it. It, it. They just stand there, and what a horrifying scene! It was horrifying, even to the point that Huey watching on television. Is like, oh my God, like is my, or one of them is like, is my fucking head going to explode? Yeah, I can't remember if it's yeah. Frenchie or Huey, somebody's watching. And I, just a bizarre scene. I, we have no clue who this is though. There is no evidence for us. Yeah. I mean, my only thought is like, remember the chick from the institution that, that escaped can, that yeah. can crush things? Right. I don't know if there will be a connection, but that seems to be the timeline wouldn't match up. She was locked up when the first person's head exploded. Who would have already gotten her, trained her, gotten her on their side? She's exploding all these heads in this yeah, hearing. Now, so we do see her hitching a ride off into to some nowhere, town. To we don't know where. To we don't know where. But we don't think that would have brought her straight to Vought or something. S that. So may I, yeah. yeah, I do think that there's going to be a connection there because they did... They 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 cl they very clearly showed us her ability. They very clearly like showed her finding her way out of the compound and like off to somewhere. Now, what we know about that is that those people were being given compound V, and they were attempting to like, uh, what did they say? Like 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 equalize it, right? They yeah. were, they they they're trying to stabilize it. Stabilize Further it. Stabilize yes. it. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it's possible that that. It could what, be anyone. What really. I could see happening, right, right, and what I could see happening, right, is that we've spent these first seven episodes developing Homelander and Stormfront as this, you know, horrible, like, just awful little villain partnership. Are they going to introduce somebody even bigger and badder? Could that be a guy like Mister Edgar? who has figured out already how to stabilize the V. And perhaps utilize And it. is perhaps utilizing it. Are they going to like introduce an even bigger bad? A bigger here? twist with a bigger bad, yeah. I could see that because there's a lot of questions surrounding the head popping. If you could have just done this, why not do it way before? Why make a showing of it in the public courtroom? Mm -hmm. Why not just pop all the boys' heads then? Like what is it? That's that's what makes it so mysterious. Right, is it's like right. it's somebody acting very tactically yes. with a very violent and and like literally explosive ability that is. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not discreet. This is the opposite of discreet. Heads are exploding on national television. So it makes me wonder. 
would a guy like Mr. Edgar bring that type of attention to himself and his his company? And I, I don't know, man. This is a really weird spot we're in there. So we don't know the answer to how it ends. Yeah, it's it, it was wild, man. And I, I, God, I have such a weird relationship with 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 this show in particular and the violence that it portrays because it's so comic book because to to some degree like when Huey cuts off lamp uh lamplighter's hand there off the charred dead body oh I, you mean after he lights himself on after, fire after he self immolates i i can sense in that moment like i can see watching the screen that i'm like oh the writers were having fun with this one yeah they were like oh oh and then let's have like Huey like have to figure out how to fucking saw through bone and tendon of this dumbass that burned himself alive yeah right like that so, so he can like, use his hand to get out so of stuff so you have that yeah so you have that element where they're definitely playing it for laughs and then you definitely have this you definitely have the element like you mentioned where they are being very comic booky and very graphic with it but then there's a, there seems to be another element where they are like kind of like Th- almost like throwing it in your face, being like, "This is what you love, right? This you love, you love all this, and all I this think violence." That's the, that's the overarching message: is like, is uh, uh, all so our like, relationship with violence as a as a consumer society, right? And then like the overindulgence of that, and sort of making it as big and bad as it can be in your face to get as visceral of a reaction as possible. Yeah, yeah, and so it's so so to some degree it. it it feels like they're being like, so is this, this is what you like? How much, how, you know, this you like, have it, yeah. have it all. But it feel it, I will give you this. It feels like too much often recently. So, right. Exactly. Where and I'm then, like, all right, we fucking get it. Yeah. Good. Oh, God so, damn. I had to watch 10 of the heads explode. Exactly. And so then they, and, and the other piece of the, of that, that we talked about where it's like, oh, you like this, right? It was the part of it where like, this is kind of what it would be like if these superheroes actually existed. It wouldn't just be fake, city, fake cities getting destroyed with nobody actually dying. Like it would be this really like nasty version of violence because these people can do all sorts of messed up stuff. Then you get to a scene like this where the heads are popping. And then again, it is like so horrifying and graphic and over the top. They show so many heads getting popped that I'm like, okay, now am I supposed to be laughing again at this? No, is it, you weren't is supposed it to be. so far that it's supposed to be like just like almost like haha like I all mean, these heads popping. I think maybe when you're watching Homelander and Stormfront's reactions, you could get a little giggle giggle there. But when the heads are first exploding, no, you're not supposed to be laughing, and you're supposed to be like horrified, and so, it's so disturbing. Yeah. Right? So I, I I just it, you know, it's certainly not enjoyable. That this part of it, like that I, end like of it I was get not, the, no. I, I'm fine with the the with some of the, I'm fine with pushing it. I'm fine with you know kind of showing what it would be like with the with with real superheroes in real life, and I don't even mind it when it's played for laughs because like they they set Lamplighter up as a huge douchebag the entire time. So I have you know he couldn't have been worse. Exactly. So you get <laughs> this fucking God that guy loves porn. So you want to chop yeah. his hand off for laughs? Like t- go for it. But then you get to this head popping scene and it's just like I mean it was effective, but I I it, I, I don't I didn't love it. I mean, one of the things the show does is address a lot of uh, out there elements of our society. The porn porn guy is another one, right? Like, they really throw things in your face. And while I'm usually, I find that to be a very enjoyable part of the show, and I'm into the gratuitous uh, violence, as we've mentioned many times over the course of covering HBO and Game of Thrones show, obviously. Um, 
but yeah, they just felt like it, it, it kind of pushed the limit a little bit for me in terms of like the value versus just the disgustingness of it. Like, are we getting what we wanted to get out of this or is it literally just to make me go, oh man, God damn, oh, oh, it's horrible. Because this, this, this felt a little borderline. But regardless, um, yeah, the ending was insane and very confusing. I do want to touch on a couple other things yeah, that happened please. in the episode quickly. Uh, it starts out, the episode does, in a very, and, and the more that this show goes, the more... Uh, in, in relative it is to what's happening in the United States currently. Sure. And they clearly lean into that, but it really worked out timing-wise with the release of season two and the way these episodes are unfolding because Homelander and Stormfront are essentially mirroring some of what we are seeing in society and in politics today. And the episode starts off with this dude being so inspired by the media, so inspired by the repetitive speeches from Homelander and Stormfront about these... These uh, these super terrorists coming across our border and destroying America. And he's this guy is so clearly sort of a loner. He's uh, sort of lacking in direction. And he finds this thing to cling to. And it becomes the driving force behind his life. The most important thing to him is to get rid of these super terrorists who could be threatening America based completely off of Homelander and Stormfront's propaganda run that they're on. And so what he ends up doing is they show him going to the same gas station, right? And the third time he goes, I think it is, mm-hmm. he, the second time he goes, he notices a flash in the um, cashier's eyes. He thinks maybe this guy's a soup terrorist. He's obviously not a white American. <laughs> he, the guy comes back. This time he brings a gun, and he shoots the soup terrorist between the eyes in a, in a hate crime, a hate crime against what he thought was a superhero, right? So... Drawing that up, I mean, that was a very powerful beginning to this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, again, like very intense. And like the, the, this was an example of the of, of the portrayal of violence, which like I which which made sense to me because I understood what they were doing with it. Yes, right? exactly. And that's this moment. In no way did I say or stop myself and think that was unnecessary. It proved a, it made a very good point. And it just did it in a way that was impactful and disturbing. But it wasn't 10 heads exploding where I don't know why they exploded. And I'm sitting there like, well, I already had to watch a guy get shot point blank in the face. And then a guy get his fucking (laughs) hand cut off. Did I really need the 10 heads exploding? So, but still a very powerful opening to the episode. Um, Other important stuff that happens. Homelander steals his son after a lot of back and forth with the uh, butcher's wife whom Mm -hmm. Homelander raped and then had a son with. Uh, and has moved off to this location uh, where the, she's trying to raise the boy as normal. He obviously has superpowers as a result of Homelander being his father and Stormfront being Homelander's new girlfriend and Nazi confidant. I thought that maybe last episode when we saw her confide in Homelander that she's a Nazi, we may see a little bit of a rift there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We Didn't turned happen. out we were wrong. <laughs> Didn't happen. Man's leaned in. He's Homelander all about is okay this. with the with he's, uh, Nazis. He's totally cool with it. They've got themselves a little plan on how they're going to start mixing things up in terms of the politics of soups in the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also decided they want to have their own little family. And this woman isn't doing a solid job with Homelander's uh, blood. Uh, they need to take care of him and raise him. And, and they turn him against his mom, and then they fly away with him. And that poor woman. Um, devil's advocate here. Uh-huh. <laughs> do it. Uh, I, do, I, I kind of agree with Homelander and Stormfront that this kid shouldn't be raised in this little fucking weird bubble world. 
Yeah, especially because he has powers that eventually he could accidentally use, like, without knowing how. Like, he needs to be trained up on this shit. The um, problem is it shouldn't be two sociopathic murderers and Nazis. Of who course. Do it. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That part's problematic. I just, I, um, and now I think this is, I, I do get the sense that some of this is on purpose, but. Oh, this is going to play, Barrett. But, uh, but. If you but, think that kid's not coming into play. But, but, I, Butcher's wife is, I don't know. She's kind of the worst. <laughs> She's the worst because of her situation, though. And I'll say this. Here's what I took this to sort of mirror. Um, and it's, it, it's like, it's kind of a weird thing, but you don't often consider the amplifications of, like, in this case, it's obviously a rape, very different. But relationships that produce children gone awry, parents have to sit different decisions about what they want to happen with that kid. And it yep, creates totally. massive, massive issues. Right. Um, both for parents and children, and then in the ca- in a lot of the case, it's the mother who gets the shit into the stick when it comes down to it um, through the court system, depending on what state you're in. And that that uh, yeah, I totally feel you. The woman has not been fun at all. She yeah. is not a fun part of the show. She basically is only there to be like, no, we want him to be normal. And Homeland is like, but come on, and she's like, <laughs> no, this is stupid. And but there's no real like. There's nothing w- for us to root for with her as an audience, exactly. really, because yeah. that kid yeah. is going to be an exciting piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, right. And, and and it's not like she's, because of the way that they framed it this, up the situation, where she is on this weird compound with Vought, like, living like, a fake life, this fake weird life. Not, it's not part like of she, society. It's not like she's part of society trying to keep, trying to give this kid a normal life. She keeps talking about wanting to give him a normal childhood, but, but this they're not is not in a, a normal, normal place. Yeah. He has no friends. Look, he doesn't meet anybody. Like in all the, fairness, he's, he's going to be a weird freako kid, no matter what you do with him on this weird compound. So, like, let yeah, him. But she see- loves the kid. She was. She. It's not her fault. She was raped by Superman. Yeah, I. I don't know. I, she's I'm, just trying to do her best. Yeah, I'm just. I'm as I'm, a character. Obviously, when I say she's the worst, it's all relative. She's the worst. V- very much, uh, Stormfront and Homelander are the worst. Number one worst. Well, we'll see. Um, Head popper so, might be the worst. Pro- pro- yeah, possibly. But, you know, I'm just I'm just saying, like, maybe you should have given Butcher a little bit more of a chance to to help you out there. And like, you know, like let's let's rope her into the boys. Let's 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 have her not be such a an such outsider, a, such a distressed damsel She's in this a downer in this weird bubble life where like all she wants to do is 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 play house with her, her, her Look, freako soup son. I'll say this. There was no long term plan viability there in terms of what they were doing. So if something had to happen. This is an interesting wrinkle to see what's going to happen with Stormfront and um, Homelander with a child. Will the boys utilize this child, get a hold of this child? Who knows? Who's Let to say? the boy watch. Could be interesting. <laughs> um, the only other thing, Starlight. Okay, so explain this to me. Starlight is, is caught for being a rat last episode, right? They take her into captivity. Black Noir, like, beats the shit out of her and locks her up. The, uh, no. They her are, and her mom. She... They're, they're suspicious of her. Okay. And then she goes and gets meets with, the with boys, her mom. And they pull the tracker out of her. Okay. And, and then, then she meets mo- with her mom. And her mom blows up her spot by, by oh, telling Ashley. Where they're going to be or the, what they're that, doing. That she she's needs some time meeting off. with her. Yeah. Okay. So then Black Noir comes through, knocks them both out cold, out of suspicion, out of obviously it being problematic that she pulled her 
tracking device. Homelander's already accused her of being a rat. Now she's in captivity, and they have to break her out, which is the reason that Huey and Lamplighter, the porn addict who ends up lighting (laughs) himself on fire before Huey has to saw off his hand and comically use it to open doors. Uh, That's why they head to the vault. HQ. So, all in all, another exciting one from the boys. Certainly, certainly one of the more gory ones we've seen. The penultimate episode of season two. We have one more to cover, and we will hit the finale for the boys next week, right here on uh, Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. Yeah. Uh, oh, quick tidbit that I saved for this discussion. There's a spinoff of the boys coming. I I heard this. Yeah. Already, which uh, I don't know how to feel about that. I don't like them now, spinning off things that aren't done. Okay. Now here's the thing. You did this with The Walking Dead. It got weird. Okay, that's fair. And this is this co- correlates more to that spinoff where it's like it's a spinoff because it comes from the same universe. None of the same characters. But none of the same characters. So that's the, I'm more okay with, but it's still distracting right. as a boys fan no, where you're I'm right. like, okay, what, now right. I got to watch this other fucking it's, show too? I'm, with, I'm totally with you. They're Give recently us a annou- little time. The recently announced spinoff will take place at a superhero college. Yeah. The spinoff would focus on America's only college exclusively for young adult superheroes that's run by the Supes creators Vought International. Um, Does it feel like to you there is a a a sort of um, like a frantic grab for this sort of high school younger college audience on these networks right now? Netflix cranking out stuff like that stupid beach show you watched with the kids Outer treasure Max. hunting. Sure, this is clearly. They found success with the boys. It's phenomenal. It's well done. It's got a lot of longevity to it. And they were just like, what can we do with this franchise? Like, it, I just, it's shocking to me that they're just this far ahead of like going ahead and capitalizing on taking it to another place. I, I think, now I don't know, I don't quite know if this falls into this category yet or not. What I think is that there was this vacuum, there was this void in movies and network TV where they basically like started ignoring like, like rom-coms and like the teenage and college humor type of, type of stuff. Yeah. And that's and and so the the it's the streaming networks seem to have kind of like picked up that torch a little bit. So Netflix is making movies like The Kissing Booth or like the Always Be My Maybe. You know, they're they're making these kind of like smaller budget, like quick hitters that are that kind of fill that that void. Right. Um, just quickly reading, like thinking about the boys, quickly reading the the synopsis of of this new spinoff show, like it would be interesting if they take the boys and essentially mash together with like American pie. Which or, is what it kind of feels like. Or, or you know, like that, like the funny college stuff. Now that's the college stuff is totally hit or miss. It and that'll can, also it can just go, be so different than you know, you the got, show the boys. But, but you do have Seth Rogen or, or I, I don't know if he's a producer here as well. Let's see. I think he's going to get credit no matter what. Yeah, yeah. It appears that Kripke and the boys co-creator Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg will be mining that storyline for the spinoff. The storyline being wherever they're the, the G-Men is part of the boys. That's I'll that's, say I trust Seth Rogen with well, that demo, and I do too because that's that's neighbors, super bad, super bad in neighbors, which neighbors gets got college in a really funny way, and obviously super bad got high school in a really funny way. So th- so if we're talking about this kind of like coming of age. Slapstick, kind of bathroom humor. humor. Like he knows that shit. He, he does that. He he executes really well on that type of stuff. And then so, American Pickle. Yeah. So so if you can have some of that like raunchiness combined with this kind of like the, the this subversive superhero stuff, 
then that could be could be fun. Could be good. I, I'm I'm here to see what happens. I'm a little cautious. That's all I'm saying. I'm a little weirded out by it being this early on. But yeah, yeah. Anything else on the boys? That's it. Season finale next week. Can't wait. Season two finale of the boys right here on Oysters, Clams, and Cockles next week. Today's episode of OCC also brought to you by Lisa, makers of the best mattresses in the world. I always say your mattress is just as important as a purchase as your living room television when it comes down to things you're buying for your home. If you don't even remember where it came from, how long you've had it, if you don't wake up every morning feeling like a million bucks, it's time to switch to Lisa. I've got the Lisa Legend. It's phenomenal. Best bed I've ever had. I slept on the Lisa Hybrid for years and years, and as I described it, it was the most comfortable bed I've ever laid eyes or body on. Upgraded to the Legend for funsies. All their products at Lisa are phenomenal. All have been thoughtfully designed to go beyond creating a comfortable bed to transform your bedroom into a sanctuary you actually want to spend time in. I use their pillow every night. I've got blankets on my couch from Lisa. Lisa! Incredible, Lisa. Uh, Everything they make, seriously, it's the best. They believe all people should have access to deep rest and relaxation, and as such, they make it easy for their customers to know they've made the right choice through their social impact initiatives that they tie to each purchase. They donate one mattress at Lisa for every 10 they sell to uh, organizations that work in causes like foster care prevention, and to date, they've donated more than 33,000 mattresses through more than 1,000 nonprofits. So not only is Lisa great, they're doing great things. They've been a longtime sponsor of this show and uh, an all-bowling media podcast. They've got in-home delivery and setup available. They've made in the USA. Financing is also available. Do not miss out. Clam fam, live healthier, live happier by resting deeper. Order today and get 15% off any mattress for a limited time at lisa.com slash dragon. Use the promo code dragon. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash dragon. Promo code dragon. Lisa! Billy Costa! All right, to close out today, we're talking Lovecraft Country Season 1, Episode 8. Do we have 10 in the season? Is that confirmed? That is confirmed. Thank you. All right, um, this one was a wild fucking ride, as every episode of Lovecraft Country has come to be at this point. What were your overall thoughts on uh, quality? Like, what, what did this one do for you for the show? So, it, it, again, I thought it moved things very much in the right direction for in me. In this nonstop roller coaster of a season, I was big high on this episode again. Like... Reeled me back in, thought it, 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 you know, it, it's, it's constantly doing this tap dance as we've discussed at length of like yeah. trying to hit all of these different vibes, trying to cover all these different stories yep. and these themes and tap and tackle all sorts of like social and racial issues and do, and, and then also have your wizard stuff and like everything, right? Like it's, it's got so much going on and I thought it did the dance very, very well this week. Agree. Um, I, it feels I, like they're getting more used to it, like almost episode by episode, in terms of maintaining the balance. Yeah, and, and striking um, all the chords. I, I, obviously, mining the uh, the the Emmett Till, uh, it, you know, tragedy was I thought very effective as like a background. You know, that was the backdrop for everything that was happening. Is that something that people in 2020 are very familiar with for right. the most part? And like as well, this, this this you know they they just they painted the picture in the in the background really well. With that kind of like, you know, just to, to set the mood. Like, this is how people would have been feeling on this day in 1950 Chicago. Well, and then to see Christina Braithwaite literally put herself through the Emmett Till experience. Was intense. To, Very much so. To yeah. feel it was one of the more intense things I think yeah. I've like ever seen play out on screen. Totally. Um, but I, you know, I, I've, I've been really like, we, we, we talked about with episode, with, this was episode Eight? Yeah. So yes, we sir. talked about with episode seven, right? We get like these great conversations with people. So we had Hippolyta and George having the conversation, which I thought 
kind of got glossed over because there was so much other craziness happening. But this one had this one let those conversations simmer a little bit, right? So we had the conversation with um, um, Ruby and Christina about caring or not caring about what was happening in in the world, about caring about Emmett Till. Uh, we had the conversation between uh, between Tick and Letty about caring for one another. We had the conversation between Tick and Montrose at the end, which was really good. Like it just it let those conversations, which I think really help establish and develop the characters, which are always the most important thing. I thought this show did that really well. And then on top of it, the scary twins, which if Jordan Peele did not help on those, he had to have. Because that was straight out of Get Out or Us. It was totally Jordan Peele horror. If he didn't help on those, he's making an angry phone call. <laughs> he's, I mean, you know he's an EP. Okay, so yes, he helped. So, so, so... It, or his whoever his person is yeah, that he goes those, to for at that. At the very he, least, he was like, yeah, you can, yeah, totally. Yes. Use me as inspiration. Um, they were horrifying. They, they, I, I had chills with they, you know, and the, uh, the, the fucking, you and I have always complained about like unnatural movements. So yep. like every horror movie for 10 God, years was it. like, well, we have to have somebody bend over backwards and do the fucking <laughs> and they crab did it. walk. They went there. They did, then they, they did had it. to have every grandparent <laughs> like, well, we have to make all old people like do the fucking weird walk down a hallway so that you can shit your pants. And then these kids did, they, it was like they incorporated dance like choreographed the, the dancing dance, yeah the freakiest shit bro uh i don't know if you've seen it follows but this was essentially that um it follows is a very solid horror movie for those of you who are horror fans but th- it's the same concept there's this thing hunting you following you it doesn't stop and you have to figure out what the deal is um i'm not going to give away the plot of it follows but it doesn't play out the same way as it does in lovecraft country um just a very 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 visually like overstimulating episode almost just ep- but the thing about episode eight that just like seven i started to get a really good feel for like what is this show right what is this show and every week it's that you're gonna go on an adventure and they're gonna tackle different societal issues especially related to race in america and they're gonna do it in a way that's interesting and horrifying and they're gonna make a lot of analogies and parables and comparisons and contrasting and it's it's uh, to monsters and to the sci-fi stuff and to reality. Um, they're gonna pull from real history. They're gonna do stuff like the Emmett Till thing, which some people were very off put by, uh, I might add, and because they felt like it was exploitation, which is interesting to me because when it's used for a purpose of a larger message, which I thought it very effectively was, then I don't know... Here's my problem. I don't know who's to say if that's who if, if that's okay. You know what I mean? And it's certainly fucking not me. I do know that. Um, but all in all, it's just Lovecraft Country has found Whoa, ways. Wait, say, say that again. There are people who are upset with Emmett Till being a part of the story. Oh, okay. That a real historical figure, which apparently is portrayed earlier in the season as well. We apparently see Emmett Till for a few seconds because huh. Diana Freeman is best friends with his mother. Okay, and that's how he gets tied into this episode, right? Because um, he's because because um, D is that that's that's her good close friend Emmett Emmett was right. Okay, and then she's the one running from the monsters all mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, just all of it all of it hit for me again, and the ending of the episode obviously where Tick 
is staring down the barrel of about 40 police officers as a solo, solitary black man in the street. Couldn't have been more well-timed. And then what happens couldn't have been cooler, which is that a fucking monster (laughs) explodes out of the earth and eats all of the cops. The spell worked. He is clearly protected. Yeah. (laughs) He cannot be killed at the moment, which is a really big deal. Yeah, and what what I... what I liked here and what this episode kind of finally went to is that we keep and, and I guess, you know, uh, we, we could have guessed this, but right. But like, why was Atticus so intent on getting the book of names and the spells? Why was he so intent on learning the magic? What you know, what was it about? Like the, he kept talking about protection, right? Protection, mm-hmm. protection, protection, arguably from like Christina Braithwaite, I guess. But they had kind of fallen into this whole Braithwaite situation at a happenstance. So it just, they didn't really know a lot, like a lot about any of that, right? Almost they didn't, they nothing. Didn't, they didn't yeah. know about the Sons of Adam. They didn't know about this magical world that they that they happened to be he living in. He didn't know in. he had some relation so to this. Did, yeah, he way. didn't know about his background of, of, of being tied to to um, to this group in some way or, or, or possessing this type of magic. So to have him suddenly be like all about like this like, I got to learn the spells. I need the protection. Now it kind of like that that scene especially, which I agree was like really powerful and well done, put puts puts that into frame for you. Like it, they they suddenly see this access point to this potential new layer of protection from the entire world that surrounds them that is constantly after them. Yes. Whether that is the racist police or whether that is scary monsters or whether that is Christina Braithwaite in a world of wizards, it's everything, right? Yeah. Like the like they ha- they need protection from all parts of the world, which and is so if again they, if the they thing can, that if they can add the, if they so can well get on. if they can get this leg up and find an advantage and learn spells that give protection to to them and theirs, then they want it, and that that makes a lot of sense. And that's something that when you look at American society has totally failed to exist for Black people in the United States. They don't ever feel like they have they don't they have historically not felt like they have a savior, something to bail them out of the system that clearly was built to keep them down. And this is that visually springing forth from the ground. Yeah. Um, A defense that against the police and police brutality in the United States that no human has, right? So there's this incredible comparison and that's what sci-fi should do. Good sci-fi should, should cause you to draw comparisons to, to the real world. Good horror should cause you to think about shit in a different light. And this is like, it's just really powerful TV at this point. And where there have been episodes where I've been sort of like, I don't really get what they're doing here. Like, what is the bigger show going to look like? Like, storyline-wise, what in the hell? It's really starting to come together in a way that has me paying attention just as much as anything else we're watching right now or have watched in 2020. I'm, I'm completely locked in. Where I thought like I was about to fly off the hook. And they were going to lose me back into the waters of the thousand shows we have to watch. They pull they, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. And this is two in a row that they're on fire for me. Uh, and I can't wait to see how we've got two more. So last week was the was the crazy space one. That one was was high for you. Yeah, because I mean, I watched Crazy Space one right after I watched Korea one, hmm. so they blended together into one. Fun- <laughs> I, but I liked I liked the Crazy Space. It didn't speak as much to like me and what's going on in in my life or in the world, but it was still really really cool. 
Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm high as hell on this show. I was also high as hell when I watched that space episode, which could explain some of it. Yeah, um, just a, a couple of quick quick points on here to to wrap up Lovecraft Country. Wrap us up. There is there's a lot that that you and I certainly look over, and and I'm not you know I'm not faulting us for that, but. Kind of the way in, in the way that I talked about a few weeks ago about um, not having as 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 like my my capacity for for enjoyment of this show might be lower than for others. And I'll give you my my analogy was that my white suburban raised ass cannot listen to a Kendrick Lamar album and have it have the same impact on me that it does for a black person who was raised under different circumstances. So um, there are there are lots of things here. That I'm that I'm missing, that I, that I could spend all day going in and like learning more about. So but, and that's that, what I mean. That's so great about the show. Sh- they hit so many things. A lot of which you and I aren't even able to fucking identify. So the last one when Hippolyta joins joins up with the French dancer Josephine Baker, mm-hmm. like that's a real person who has like an awesome story. And again, they're wrapping in. Real characters, real people from real history, and that's that's a cool element to me. It's just they took a weird step, or a a more dangerous step, I would say, with Emmett Till this week than they did with that particular dancer. But yeah, they're bringing in all types of historical elements. Yeah. So Josephine Baker was a black American who moved to Paris and took over the scene there, like one of the biggest stage stars during World War II. She became one of the best spies of the French Revolution, was awarded the highest medal possible for a foreigner, the same medal that General Patton got. Then spent her post-war days fighting for civil rights. And what's her name? Josephine Baker. Josephine also Baker. Shouts to our our um, uh, our, Discord? our Discord mod alerted payload who helped inform me on that one. Um, and so then this week we got uh, the 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 book that the that the scary twins sprung forth from Uncle Tom's Cabin. Oh yeah, that's a real book. I don't. I, yeah, but I you don't, never learned about this shit. But I don't. About what? Uncle Tom's Cabin? I, I'm not, like, I know that that is a book. I saw that book and I was like, yes, I know that, that that's a real book. Harriet Beecher Stowe. But I don't know all of the historical context or the way that we feel about that book now versus then. Like, like I'm sure that, that that felt very purposeful that that book was there. It's an anti-slavery novel. Okay. We learned about it in, in middle school, which I'm being very transparent here, was so long ago that I don't remember a lot of the context to Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin. I just remember that it was obviously written by a black woman who was trying to uh, portray some of the issues in the United States at the time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there, there's, there's all sorts of little Easter eggs like that and things pulled from, from real history and, and real context that, like, you know, it, it, it not only do are, are those opportunities for us to learn more, but they're also pointing to the fact that we don't learn enough when we're younger, right? Yeah, or we just don't. It's things that for white people in particular, like you, you hold on to the pieces of history that you feel like you identify with. Sure. And, you, and the ones that you don't understand, which honestly, on, there's just no way in middle school I had the emotional that, or intellectual yeah. capacity yeah. to understand what I was being taught in, in, in regard to a lot of the issues that we have in, in the United States historically, which is one of the reasons it took me so long as a white American to even get to a place where I could feel like I could partially get what was going on. So, yeah, it's it's weird, man, but it's I've felt with every episode that they have 
close the gap for me where it feels less like there's I feel like I'm missing less week by week mm-hmm. because I'm starting to get a feel for what the show is doing and it's and and the purpose behind all of its different narratives, right? They're all talking about different but I, I have one question before we finish. Is William a person or is that just Christina? It's just Christina. So there is no William Braithwaite. No. Well, the the Wait. body of William Braithwaite is is some is the man that's in the hospital bed and we don't know he's just some rando, I'm pretty sure. Huh. Weird shit. Okay. Well, yeah, anything but, else no, on Lovecraft? But, but Christina and William are the same person. So, which adds a whole new layer of 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 to that relationship between Ruby and Christina slash now William. You've, now you've got the sexuality spectrum and yeah. all these different things involved too. Now that's, and that's, again, very impressive writing in that way. It may have had a couple stumbles here and there, upon, uh, you know, along the first seven episodes. Eight was phenomenal to me. Um, and and I'm, I'm very much looking forward to the final two. Any closing thoughts on Lovecraft? Um, I'm, I'm just curious uh, if they intend to go more than one season with this show at this point. I'd be shocked if they didn't. If they did not. Yeah. You think it's set up to to continue? I think it's a couple few seasons. I don't think you can run this for too long, but I think there's enough to play with and it's going to be um I mean, they HBO needs more shows for black audiences, man. They need yeah. more black tentpole shows and they've started to finally stack a few. I'd be yeah. fucking shocked if they had one that is this good. And just based on numbers alone or something, because I think it's doing well. I think it's doing well. But it's not like, you know, some crazy breakout hit that's fucking doing insane numbers and getting talked about on every network and podcast. Right. But it would be crazy to me if they walked away from it because, again, they need that. Sure. And it's amazing. So I don't know. But to your point... I, I could, you could end it after one season. Well, I'm, I'm asking. The story me, I'm, itself is that you could tie it up. Yeah, and I'm asking because it's obviously based on a book that's ten chapters long or eight eight chapters long, so which they're doing in ten you, episodes. So they could, it, if they're just going book, they could wrap it up. But I totally, I think you make a good point that that there's certainly based on what they're doing with the show, it, it doesn't seem like they need to wrap it up. They could continue with this and and continue diving into all sorts of of more interesting. Yeah, storylines. I mean, and and really, you've got Jordan but, Peele, you've got J.J. Abrams. Does that strike you as a duo that they want to run one season and then bounce? Like, well, that's, they did with Damon. Uh, that's a good point. And I mean, it's kind of up just, to them. Yeah, and up to Misha Green, the showrunner. So, hmm. Yeah. So they don't know yet. Nobody knows yet. Apparently, if it's going to be set up for a second season, I, I think we'll get a good feel for. Once again, this is also we go back to what we talked about with Glow and High Fidelity, man. Like Jonathan Majors is like a bona fide star now. I'm sure he has stuff lined up. If if, right. if they can't get back to production on this relatively quickly, you know, hopefully, hopefully this is one that they would come back to because they want to come back to it. And everything Regard, I'm, regardless of, of the situation. but Everything I'm reading is pointing to it being likely that if, if they wanted a second, they could get they it could because get of the it. success. Yeah. So yes. it'll, I think it'll depend mostly on what they want to do with it. So yeah. we'll see. And again, we got two more episodes to kind of get a feel for where it puts us at the end of season one, whether they're aiming for more or they want to call that that. But we'll be back for the penultimate episode of season one of Lovecraft Country on HBO next week. 
And that will to do that will do it for today's episode of OCC, produced by Mike Moody Garcia of Permanent Record Studios in Austin, Texas. Huge thanks again to our sponsors today for supporting the show. Support our sponsors who support us. Felix Gray Glasses. Go to FelixGrayGlasses.com slash OCC. Get you some of the best blue light glasses in the game. And then of course Lisa.com slash dragon. Get yourself a bed that gets you the sleep and the rest and the comfort you need each and every night at Lisa dot com slash dragon and if for some reason you're like you know what i just don't need any glasses and i don't need a new bed then you can support us directly in exchange for more ad-free exclusive episodes of occ one a week if you join the mollusk militia each month on patreon.com slash oysters clams cockles there are several tiers mollusk militia being ten dollars a month it's our highest tier it's our most dedicated loyal and uh, supportive listeners, and they get four episodes ad-free a month on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, one of which is the Mollusk Militia exclusive hotline call extravaganza, where they have their own hotline that only members of the Mollusk Militia can call, and they can call about anything they want, from TV shows we're watching to TV shows we've watched in the past, to movies they've seen recently, to movies we watch, anything, literally anything that is under under the umbrella of, uh, obviously, television, film, and entertainment that we discuss Available for the Mollusk Militia right there on their exclusive hotline. We've got a wiretappers uh, uh, tier that is, I, I believe it was one person deep last time I checked. It's one guy getting access to the the uh, Mollusk Militia episodes, but not access to the hotline. But we also have our Crustacean Nation tier, which is just a minimum pledge of $5 a month to support the show. And in exchange, you get three additional episodes of OCC ad-free each month. So go to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, and support Barrett and I and Oysters, Clams, and Cockles as a podcast today. Thank you so much. And follow us on social media for updates on the best in TV and film content you can find on the whole of the internet. We're on Instagram at oysters, clams, cockles. We're on Twitter at clams and cockles. And Facebook Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. My name is Ross Bolin, and you can follow me at WRBolin on all social media, at WRBOLEN on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, and then listen to my show, The Ross Bolin Podcast, a humor and comedy show focused on mental health, uh, current events, sports, music, history, animals, and more, available wherever you listen to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. Mr. Dudley, where can we follow you on social media and hear more of your voice? Yes, follow me at Barrett Dudley, Instagram and Twitter, and then you can check out the Club Cool podcast wherever you're listening to this one. You can also follow along with the pod on Instagram at Club Cool Pod if you want to see what that show's all about. Give us a listen. That'll do it. Appreciate y'all. Thanks for being here. Cannot wait to uh, what we're closing out the boys next week we'll cl- be closing yeah season two yeah. of the boys ends next week Yellowstone season two episode two and three next week and then of course Lovecraft Country's uh, penultimate episode next week huge episode of Oysters Clams and Cockles coming next week until our next helping adios muchachos adios muchachos